You're listening to a talk from our Kingdom Finances series. This message is entitled, Sacrifice and Offering, and focuses in on the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. This giving of himself, wholly and willingly, shows us that giving generously, in whatever way, is something we need to exemplify. For more information, other resources and media, please visit citychurchleads.net. Today what we're doing is we're beginning a a series as we do every six months or so uh, to remind ourselves about what we do and why uh, in relation to finances. Next week, Jeff Newton from Coventry is going to be here and he'll be talking with us about the tithe. But today we're going to talk about sacrifice and offerings. And I want to talk about it in this sense, about how these things began and are fulfilled in Jesus. And what we'll do, we'll see how the Holy Spirit, the same power that lit up the universe, enabled him to live that given life. And we're going to find out what came through as it relates to offerings through the new covenant and somewhere in there we might actually talk about money you get where I'm going I think so uh, what I hope this morning is that what we'll be able to do is gain a fresh sense of faith and expectation about a life that is offered to God in every single aspect so would you just pray with me Father We pray that you will speak to us today in words that are spirit and life. We trust you, Lord, to impart revelation to us and faith to our hearts as we receive your word. And we ask you to water that word in our lives so that it produces fruit after its kind. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like us to break bread together. Uh, Now, that might seem like a bit of a detour, but in preparing for today, I was asking the Lord just to help me with uh, some kind of story or a visual aid that would help us to grasp what this morning is about. And instantly, I just thought about the Lord's Supper. So if I could just ask Jeff and um, whoever's helping Jeff there to just go around and fill up the glasses. Um, What I'd like us to do while they're doing that is just to reflect on this scripture. If we could have that up. (coughs) For those of you who've got the Message Bible, it's 1 Corinthians 11, 23 to 26. And this is what Paul writes. He says... Let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the Lord's Supper and why it is so centrally important. I received my instructions from the Master himself and passed them on to you. Jesus, on the night of his betrayal, took bread. Having given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. After supper, 
he did the same thing with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. What you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. <clears throat> every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of the Master. We're going to take a moment to eat this bread, sorry, to share the bread and, and the wine together. So what I'd like us to do now, on your tables, you should have in the baskets there um, a piece of bread. If you, could you just take a piece and just hold it? Now just hear him say this to you. This is my body broken for you. I'd like us to pray together. We don't often do this, but I'd like us just to repeat these words with me, if you would. So, if you just say this after me. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of your broken body. Thank you, Lord. It means we who were broken are made whole again. Thank you, Lord, that the weight of our fallenness has fallen on you. Thank you, Lord, that the price of our peace was paid by your punishment. Thank you, Lord. The wounding you took has removed our hurt and our pain. Let's just eat that bread, please, together. Now, as we pass around the cup, he says to you, this is my blood, my new covenant with you. Can we just share the um, wine on our tables? And I encourage you to do this. To speak or pray a blessing on one another. So we're just going to take a couple of minutes just to do that while we just share that wine together. Please, just speak or pray a blessing into one another. Lord, we just pick up all of those spoken blessings and we endorse them, Jesus. Together we say amen. We, we say, let this blessing of God flow. Let it flow, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen.
Now this offering of Jesus' blood, the seal of the new covenant, it means, it represents so many things. It means that we're forgiven. It means we're clean. It means that we're set free from sin and the curse of a guilty conscience. It means we've entered into this unbreakable union with God. It means that God, he backs up everything that's contained in this new relationship. And it means that we get to inherit everything God planned for us from eternity. This is the new covenant in my blood. Now these, these emblems, these, uh, the bread and the wine that we've handled this morning, they mean many things. But one thing they represent very graphically is the actual body, the flesh, the bone, the tissue, the organs, the nerves, the sensations, and the actual blood, all eight pints of it, that was the physical man, Jesus. This is what he offered. When this was gone, there was nothing left. It was completely him. He offered his whole self, no exceptions. He was completely and utterly given. Sacrifice and offering are part of his own eternal nature. This sacrificial offering of himself had been in prospect since before the foundation of the world. His blood is described as the blood of the eternal covenant. So giving is a function of who he is. He is an eternal giver. Can I go to that next slide, please, Mark? Now, as we've been hearing, God's plan of restoration, it involves us. We are being transformed into his likeness so that we can become like him in every way. Now, uh, have, you ever, have you ever noticed that um, when people meet a new baby, they just can't help actually looking for the family likenesses. It, it's the eyes or the smile or the, the nose or the hand. In fact, where's Elizabeth? We were just having a conversation, weren't we, this morning about that very thing. Um, last weekend, Kate and I were down in Oxfordshire with um, our son, John Luke, and his wife, Katie. And we were there because it was the, um, the dedication of our youngest grandson, Micah. Oh, and Congratulations to the Ayers family, by the way. Hey. Everybody doing well? Yeah. Very briefly. Yeah, no. they, they were hoping to be here this morning, but um, <clears throat> those of you who've been there know what it's like, and they haven't made it. <laughs> but they're enjoying being at home. Um, Nathaniel John Vickers arrived a week last Wednesday... Eight pounds, 11 ounces, for those of you who like the stats, 
um, lovely little boy, um, has had a bit of trouble feeding, but he's getting there. Um, and um, there's nothing quite like that soft, warm, velvety baby on your front when he goes to sleep. <laughs> so we, so we, we really thank God. It's, it's Wonderful. fantastic. Yeah, Praise the Lord. Go. Wonderful. Yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Glory to God. And uh, Sarah, when you, when you see Emily and Dan, just please give them love from the family here, will you? Brilliant. Well, anyway, uh, yeah, we were down in Oxfordshire last weekend with our little grandson, Micah, and it was his dedication. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're just, just as bad as anybody else. Uh, can't help kind of looking to see, well, where's, where's that bit? Where, you know? And, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced that he's got John Luke's ears and, um, and his build. And uh, when he smiles, I think he's got Katie's mouth and, and Katie's eyes. But, you know, it, it's just that it's bound to happen because he has this shared DNA. It's true, isn't it? Um, and so it is with us. We share the Father's DNA. And it's in, because it's in his nature to give to the point of sacrifice, just as with Jesus, our older brother, as the Bible describes him, he offered up his life to God even to the point of death. Now, here's the news. We're no different. We have the same family genes. So, what does this mean for us? Now, my thoughts immediately went, as I was thinking about this, to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And again, yeah, there we go. This is the message take on that particular scripture. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Or this is what uh, J.B. Phillips says. With eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, to give him your bodies as a living sacrifice, consecrated to him and acceptable by him. So far, so good. We all know that scripture, and in fact, you prayed it this morning, didn't you? Now, but I'm left with a question. I know the frailty of my own human nature. Uh, when we were singing that song, you know, Lord, I give you my soul, I give you, you know, I'm just thinking, how many other people in this room are having the same thing go through our heads? when we're saying, Lord, we're laying it all down, and it's easy to say, isn't it? Totally different thing to do it. I know that if I'm honest, I struggle with my own selfishness. I don't find giving easy, certainly not to the point of sacrifice. I don't like it when someone crowds my personal space. I don't like it when people interfere with my personal convenience. Anybody else like me? Yeah? Hey, you're all perfect. What's going on? Am I in the wrong family? What happened? 
I'm not talking about money now. I'm talking about my life, about time, energy, possessions, reputation, comfort. And yet the Bible exhorts me to present all this, my sleeping, eating, going to work and walking about life as a living sacrifice. Can I have the next slide, please? To my human nature, the implication of being a living sacrifice is, to say the least, not pleasant. Death to self, submission to God's will, not my own, and the prospect of personal and emotional cost. So how in the world is this possible? We just took the Lord's Supper together. Did you ever wonder how Jesus found the heart, the courage, the resolve to face torment, torture and dying? How did he find the reserves in the garden, you know, in the garden of Gethsemane, to overcome the terror of death? and submit himself to the Father's will. How did he lift himself to embrace his call when everything in him was overwhelmed with sorrow and the anguish of betrayal and loneliness? How? How was that possible? It's staggering to me that he faced all that as a human being, like you and like me. And if we put ourselves in that same place, (laughs) it's unthinkable, isn't it? We don't know because we've not been in that place. I like to to think about this as the secret of the Christian life. Can we go to the next slide, please? This is a short verse in the book of Hebrews. And I believe it gives us the answer. Hebrews 9, verse 14. Leading up to this scripture, it's talking about the system of sacrifices that were offered under Old Testament law. And then it goes on. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself, unblemished to God. How much more then will that cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Notice that little phrase, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. Now this is is my key point. Outside of the Holy Spirit, we haven't a hope of ever Offering ourselves completely to God. The Holy Spirit is the biggest secret of the Christian life. Our human nature, on its own, is never going to volunteer to lay itself down. But God, praise God, he has made provision supernaturally. He's, this provision, he's called the Holy Spirit. And he's come to make this God life possible, to produce this God nature 
in you and me. I was thinking, you know, back a little while about um, when we spoke at the beginning of this year about the kingdom of God. And we talked, didn't we, about how the kingdom of God is energized by the Holy Spirit in complete contrast to the, the world which is energized by a different spirit. Now, we have received this spirit of the kingdom and the king of the kingdom is jealous to produce that kingdom in you and me. So we have not received an orphan spirit. We have received a spirit of sonship. You and I, as children of God, we truly are sons of God. This means that everything about your life is covered. God is our protection. God is our provision. Now, because we have received a spirit of sonship, it means that we have been set free from all of that worldly stuff which says, keep hold of it, grab it, keep it to yourself. Because there's a different spirit that is at work in us. In Corinthians, Paul says this, that we have not received the spirit of this world, but the spirit who is from God. And he goes on to say, so that we might know, we might understand what he has freely given to us. So there is right now at work in your heart and mind this spirit of the kingdom who is able to reveal to us everything that God has made freely available. Now, apart from that spirit, there is no way, no way under God's sun, sun in the sky, that we are ever going to find it in ourselves to be able to make that kind of offering, that living sacrifice that the Bible speaks about. But praise God, this is the truth of the gospel. There is a spirit, the spirit of God, who is at work in us right now to produce his own nature in us. There's another scripture I want us to see. Can we go to that next slide, Mark? From 1 Peter. It says this, As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is talking about our new nature. And the joy of this is that it's corporate. We are being built into a spiritual house. Another way of putting this is that we are a house, a home for the Holy Spirit. Our new nature is spiritual. Therefore, what comes out of that new nature, what we do and the way we are as that house, is also spiritual. 
we don't have to separate things in our minds. If we're living from this resource that God has placed within us, everything that we do, everything that we touch is spiritual. Like I said earlier, the same power that lit up the universe is lighting up our world too. And look, he is the one that enables us to offer, quote, spiritual sacrifices. So, what are spiritual sacrifices? Let's have a look at that, can we? Certainly, God never intended that we should produce some updated version of the Old Testament system of sacrificial offerings. Can we go to the next slide, please, Mark? <clears throat> they had offerings coming out of their ears. Just listen to this lot. There were burnt offerings. There were drink offerings. There were free will offerings or fellowship offerings. There were grain offerings. There were guilt offerings. There were heave offerings. There were ordination offerings. There were peace offerings. There were sin offerings. There were thank offerings. There were votive offerings. There were wave offerings. It's mind-bending, isn't it? But only one, only one of these came through the grid of the new covenant. Can you guess which one it was? Can you guess? All the others, they were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. He came to fulfill the law, not to impose it on us. Let's just have a look at the next slide, please, to help us understand which one of those came through. In Jeremiah 33, God makes a promise of restoration and it will be characterized like this. The sounds of joy and gladness, the voices of bride and bridegroom, and the voices of those who bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. For I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before, says the Lord. Yeah, it's the sacrifice of thanksgiving or praise. And that same thought is echoed in the New Testament where the writer exhorts the people of God. He says, through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices... God is pleased. Or, we can have that in the message version. No longer pouring out the sacrificial blood of animals, but pouring out sacrificial praises from our lips to God in Jesus' name. Make sure you don't take things for granted. And go slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others. God takes particular pleasure in acts of worship, a different kind of sacrifice that take place in kitchen and workplace and on the streets. Our thanksgiving and our praise is linked here 
to a life of generosity, doing good, serving others, what you might call acts of fragrance that happen in the street and the workplace. Now, next week, uh, we'll be bringing a heap offering. It's to help us in various ways to reach our world, whether it's in the city here or further afield. But we want to reach, we want to see this good news of the kingdom constantly extending. Uh, I hope I'm not going to embarrass you here, sweetheart, but in our, <laughs> in our house over the last six months, um, Kate has been putting aside a, son, a sum of money each week for the last, yeah, say for the last six months, so that we'd have something to bring this autumn. Uh, it's a brilliant way to make sure that little by little we're ready for such an occasion because I just want to recommend it to you so that in the future none of us need arrive empty-handed uh, at times like this. So, just to conclude here, today I've talked about Jesus as the supreme giver, the eternal giver. I've talked about our restored nature being like his. I've talked about the secret of this Christian life, the Holy Spirit, who makes this God life possible. And I've talked about our spiritual sacrifices, thanksgiving, generosity, doing good, serving others. And this is my prayer as we approach that offering next week. Um, and please understand me, I'm not preaching to an offering. I'm just putting that offering into context. But this is my prayer as we come to that next week. I'm asking God that he will help us to discover more of the joy of giving in every day. Powered by the Holy Spirit, characterized by thanksgiving and praise, and which results in an overflow, whether it be of finance or anything, but all born out of lives that first of all have been given to God.